Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, how many of you were here Sunday morning? You know what? It's just so interesting to me all the time when, I, when I'm here, you know, and, I, and something happens, and, and I just go, now, Lord, you know, that's just orchestrated. I was already just mulling over talking about the goodness of God tonight when we had that service on Sunday morning. And, uh, and I just said, well, you know, we, we had a lot, there was a lot said, you know, about the goodness of God, about how good God had been in individual people's lives and different things. But I thought, well, you know, there's a lot more you can say about the goodness of God. So we're just going to attempt to do that tonight. Amen? Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, God has been good to all of us. And, uh, you know, there, is, there has been over the centuries an inherent issue with the concept of God being a good God. Back in the 60s, when Oral Roberts began to popularize the statement that God is a good God, he got in trouble. Lots of people gave him grief over that. Lots of people fought him over that. You know, we put a sign down the road a few years ago, a big billboard that said, God is not mad at you. We got phone calls from other believers. Mad. Had another preacher come to, our, come to the church office and want to have a discussion about the fact that, that that's wrong. That's wrong. Well, how dare you say God's not mad at you? And I just, we, we, were, we, were just, we were just amazed at the whole thing. But, you know, people base that idea, that concept they have of God on everything but the right thing. They base it on, on how, how they have been taught to perceive God through tradition how they've interpreted scripture, how it's been passed down from generation to generation. They look at how God dealt with people in the Old Testament. You know, and and judgment fell in the Old Testament. And they look at that. But, you know, we don't serve a Santa Claus God. You better watch out. You better not cry. better not pout. I'm telling you why. God is looking for you. He knows when you've been good. He knows when you've been bad. No, you know, that's, that's not the God we serve. We serve a good, good God. And around here, we tend to talk about that fact quite often because when you go out into the rest of the world, you're going to hear from a lot of people who have a lot of things to say about the God you know and the God you serve that is not accurate. It's not accurate. You know, God's not stern. He's not harsh. He's not in the punishing business. He's not out here looking to swat you down. Pastor says that every week. You know that God's not here. He's not out out to get you. He's out to bless you. We serve a good, 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 good God. I had somebody ask me one time who came to my house, you know, one of those... One of those uh, cult people who come visiting your doorway, you know, and they found me outside, and they asked me. Um, it's all I was very busy at the time. I was painting some shutters, and so they just they just said, "Well, let me just ask you a question." And I guess they thought this would open the conversation up. We could have this discussion. And they said, "Have you ever wondered why bad things happen to good people?" And I went, "No." 
there was the end of the conversation. Well, uh, I guess we'll let you get back to what you're doing. I'm going, yep, that's good. Because if you want to have a discussion, I can just take you to one place, John 10, 10. The thief is the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And much has been attributed to the God I serve over the centuries have put, been laid at his door for the things that are bad. There are things that have been a theft in somebody's life, who's, who's been a killing in somebody's life, who's been a destroyer in somebody's life. It's not the God I serve. You know, they go back and they look at Job when Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And they went, see you know, see Job even. God was, God, look what God let, let happen to Job. Listen, if you've been around here very long and you've heard Pastor talk about our authority, you know that things that happen in our lives that should not happen many times are because we don't take authority in those areas. We don't take the authority that we've been given and put the devil on the run. God will allow whatever you allow because he's already done the job. He's already, he's already given us every tool we need to be victorious, to be overcomers. He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to prompt us, to, to quicken our hearts when there's danger ahead. He's given us everything. We need. And sometimes we're the people who need to take authority over a situation that's come, tried to come up. You know, I, I was reading something. There was, you know, I kind of go through Facebook. I don't ever put too much on there, but, but I was looking through Facebook, and there was a, um, somebody had put up a blog, uh, a, a woman with a, a lady with a child, you know, who had some very bad medical problems and issues, and, and um, apparently this is a, a young child. And uh, in, this, in this long blog, she, was, she said something, I just wish I knew what the will of God was. And I thought, how easy that would be to tell her. But you know, if she's steeped in tradition that says that sometimes God puts these things on people, sometimes God allows these things to happen to teach us something. You know, it would be very hard to convince her that the situation her child is in has absolutely nothing to do with God. It's his will to heal that child. It has always been his will. It will always be his will because he is a good, good, good God. But you see, it's prevalent throughout the, throughout the world in general and throughout the Christian world. And it shouldn't be that way. You know, and, and it's up to us to, to help display his goodness to people that we come in contact with, whether they're believers or whether they're not believers, but just to show them, demonstrate to them how good God is. You know, I got to looking today, and I found 15-plus times where the phrase, the Lord is good, he is good, thou art good, are, are listed. Over almost 50 times, I found references to, the God, to God's goodness, specifically to his goodness. You know, and there's other places where the phrasing might vary a little. So if you run a concordance, you know, you're going to have to know the phrasing, you know, of it to, to find it. But multiple times, you know, it just, it goes on and talks about his goodness, his goodness, his goodness, his goodness. Lord, you are good. Well, he hasn't changed. If he's ever been good once, he will continue to be good. That's all he ever had to do is demonstrate his goodness one time for us to be able to say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good. 
He demonstrated his goodness for the very first time over in the first chapter of the book. The first, go to Genesis 1. It's a story of creation. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to read the entire setting, but, you know, each day something else happened. He did, he, he, he let there be, said there was, let there be light. You know, the second day he divided the waters from the firmament. He called it heaven and he went on. You, you, know, you can read all those things. But look here in verses, starting in verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good. In verse 10, uh, the, at the bottom part of that verse, it says, and God saw that it was good. In verse 12, God saw that it was good. In verse 18, God saw that it was good. In verse 21, God saw that it was good. And in verse 25, again it says, God saw that it was good. And when he got through with everything, in verse 31, he looked around at everything he had done. He beheld everything he had created, including man. And he says, and behold, it was very good. See, God, what he wanted to do was he wanted to show his heart, his intent, and his ability in creation. He took nothing and made something out of it. He displayed his goodness by, by putting all this in motion. I mean, can you imagine a solar system like ours? God divinely put it in motion. And he placed this earth just in the right spot. It's not too hot, not too cold. Supports life, gives rain, it's blue skies, it's wonderful oceans, it's green trees, it's birds. He put, all, he put the solar system in, into place just in that exact pinpoint accuracy to demonstrate his goodness. He made every creature that there is to demonstrate his goodness. He made man to demonstrate his goodness. And it says he saw that it was good. He wanted to put it in such a place that you could see his goodness on display. And so right there we see that he started out just demonstrating how good he was. Everything about his creation, everything was absolutely perfect. He made the human body. I mean, if you ever study anatomy like I did, you know, and of course we didn't get as in-depth, you know, as maybe nursing students and certainly not doctors will get. But if you study anatomy at all and and you see how the human body is made, how it's formed, I mean, how it all fits together, I mean, it's not just a testimony of his ability. It's a testimony of his goodness. When I cut myself, you know, on, a, on something, you know, a piece of glass or whatever, he's so good. He's already demonstrated his goodness in my body by the fact that it heals itself up. 
He designed us so perfectly. All because of his goodness. He wanted to demonstrate and show off his goodness. You know, Psalm 33 verse 5 says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Now, man came along, you know, and messed things up, and so we get things like weeds, sand spurs, mosquitoes, cockroaches, out of the result of man's fall. That's not the way God intended it to be. If he created a cockroach, I think he had other intentions for them for them to just scare the daylights out of me when they fly at me. (laughs) If he created spiders, you know, it wasn't to scare me. You know, there weren't supposed to be any pests. None of these animals were supposed to be pests. You know, but because of the fall of man, you know, the animal kingdom, you know, took a turn for the worse in some ways. Animals that didn't eat other animals were now, were now eating each other. I mean, it just that's what happened as a result of that. But see, God wanted to show his goodness. The earth is still full of his goodness. You know, every time somebody goes and digs up, you know, some minerals or jewels or something, he stuffed this earth full of his goodness. Those resources are there for man to benefit and to use and to enjoy. The earth is full of it. And the Lord is not just good to some and not to others. You know, there are people who go through life with a, with a victim mentality. Well, yeah, you can talk about God being good, but he ain't, he's never been good to me. I mean, he's really good to you. You're blessed, and, you know, you get all this, and, you're, and you, you know, your life is like this, and, and, well, I'm just not. Listen, God's goodness is extended to every single person, every single person. In Psalm 145, verse 9, it says, The Lord is good to all. He didn't qualify that. When he said all, he meant all. Born again, not born again. His goodness is still to all men. You know, he shows himself good whether we're in fellowship with him or out of fellowship with him. You know, I, I know that in my own life, you know, I, I mean, I was born again as a, as a child. But, you know, as the older I got, you know, and got my teenage years and, and everything, just, you know, got out of fellowship with God. And, and yet, he showed himself good so many times. So many times. I mean, I remember, you know, Steve was probably, you know, less than a year old. when We, we took a trip up to Georgia to see Pastor's brother. And, and on the way there, we were hit by a drunk driver. And... Uh, that road between Tifton and Albany, Georgia, had very deep ditches on the side. The road was raised up, and the ditches were there, and, and this drunk driver came at us and hit us, ran us off the road. We came down off, off one side of the road and hit um, a railroad sign. Now, this, this post was, you know, like one of these kind of posts. And it was huge. It, was, it broke off, shattered every piece of glass in the car broke off and and would have come in through one of those openings, but somehow it didn't. Our car should have done this, but somehow something just held it down in that ditch, in that gully. You can't tell me God wasn't demonstrating his goodness, that there there were angels encamped around about us 
to protect us, even though we weren't serving him at the time. We were not in fellowship with him at the time, and yet he protected our lives. About a year later, I, I got a call that my grandmother was extremely ill and not expected to live, and so my, my sister and I took off over, over here to, to Newberry from Jacksonville, and on the way between Alachua and Newberry where those lime rock pits are, you know, a car came at us, and we had to get off the road, and there was nothing but a farm fence with some barbed wire that kept me from going over into a who knows how deep that, that pit was. I don't swim, number one, but I probably would, you know, die from the stress of the, of the fall going down, you know. But God's spirit, I mean, I looked at that, and when, when he got there to where we were, it was amazing that we had not gone over the side. I mean, it was just a dinky little fence. I mean, you know, posts like this with just some barbed wire, like three strands of barbed wire, you know, going across. There was nothing else to keep us from going into that pit except the hand of the Lord. Can you recall times in your life when when you can think back where, you know, that must have been God. You know, so many times we we don't look at things that happen in our lives and recognize the hand of God. We don't recognize that his goodness was there for us at that moment. And we don't don't take advantage of it. You know, it's... it's, um, the prodigal son is, is, one, is one story you can look in the Bible that he looked, you know, he, he never considered his father's innate goodness to him. When he came home, when he left his father's house and went out and spent everything he had, got involved in all kinds of stuff, found himself in a pigsty, eating pig food, which is not something you don't do as a Jew, and then came back home. The, the fact that his father was so good, for, good to him that he was watching for him. You see, the older brother, the one who'd stayed home, wasn't looking for his brother to come home. He could care less. It's evidenced by his reaction, you know, for when the brother showed up. But the father was always on the lookout, always looking, always expecting him to make his way back home. And when he was afar off, his, his father saw him and ran to meet him. Listen, no matter where we've ever found ourselves in life, God's always been looking out for us. He's always been looking. And he's just waiting to be able to show himself good to us again. Who removed themselves from the situation? This guy had it good at home. He was the son of a wealthy man with servants and, and anything he wanted. But who removed themselves from the situation? He did. Sometimes we find ourselves in places where it doesn't seem like the goodness of God can get to us because we've moved ourselves. And yet the Father is always looking, always looking, always ready. Just give me the opportunity to get my hands back on you. Just give me the opportunity to get involved in your life again. I will show you how good I am still. I always have been. I always will be. But you need to know how good I am. In spite of everything, well, anything you've done, he's still waiting to show you his goodness. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I, uh, I look at that prodigal son sometimes and I think, how often have we done the same thing? You know, we found ourselves in situations where we didn't, we're not really in a place where we feel like we're worthy of God's goodness. 
that we deserve his goodness, and so we don't ask for it. We don't ask for his help because we just put ourselves in that box. And yet he's standing there ready and willing, willing, willing and eager to show his demonstrate and demonstrate his goodness to us one more time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Bible talks to us in, in Psalm 34. Go over there and, and let's take a look at it. We quote it lots of times, but, you know, there are times you just need to take a look. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. See, God wants you to be able to see, but he wants you to taste it. He doesn't want you to just just stand back and go, no, I really don't like that. You know, no, 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 no. Listen, there are, there are even believers who do not, who do not understand that, that God is out to heal them, out to bless them in every area of their lives. He just wants to say, sometimes I just think God just wants to say, would you just taste it? Just let me give you a little taste of healing. Let me just give you a little taste of prosperity. Let me just give you a little taste of what victory is like so you'll see that it's good. You ever tried to get a kid to eat, eat their, their spinach or something and you can't get them to open their mouths? There are believers who are that way. No, can't be. Mm-mm, can't be good. Mm-mm, can't be good. Can't be. Mm-mm. Listen, it is good. It is good. You know, sometimes we're just so predisposed. Well, I've never had that before, so no, I, I'm sure I wouldn't like it. Well, how do you know until you taste it? And then there's things that, you know, you've seen other people eat. I mean, pastor's big story is, is okra, boiled okra, how it looks like something that was growing in the ditch outside. You know, that's why he won't touch it. You know, sometimes we don't want to taste it because we were, we've already made up our minds. We're not going to like this. Already made my No, I'm not going to like that. I'm, I'm not an adventurous eater, okay? I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm very reluctant to try something I don't know, don't know but, you know, I have been fooled a few times. You know, but, but sometimes God just wants us to, to get out of that little mindset that we're in and give it a taste. Amen. Just give it a taste. How many of you love giblet gravy? Oh, my Lord, yes. Now, there's, there's a family member of, of ours that loves giblet gravy. And, but if you were to say to them, hey, would you like some liver? They'd go, no, absolutely not. I love chicken livers. And this person wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And so I had the opportunity of Thanksgiving or so back when the, 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 uh, the, uh, question came up in the kitchen, what goes into giblet gravy? And I, I skirted the issue. And, I'm, and I'm, I chuckled to myself, all the things you say, <laughs> it wasn't you. <laughs> all the things that you say you would never touch are in that giblet gravy. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't recognize the good things. 
something comes our way, you know, and we, and, we don't, and we don't see it as the good thing it is. Now, if you were to specifically say, how about trying this? You'd go, oh, no, 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 no. But sometimes you've already had it, and you didn't know it, and you liked it. You liked it a lot. You know, just nobody to tell you about it, you know. Christopher Allen eats the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. He put stuff he puts up on Facebook sometimes, but where he's at and whatever part of the world he's in and the things that he's eating, I just I shake my head and I just go, Oh Lord, 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 no, 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 no. You you would have to trick me into eating some of that stuff and tell me about it afterwards. But you know what? The rest of us are that way. Sometimes we don't recognize the hand of God in our lives. We don't recognize his goodness. You know, you hear people say, well, you were lucky. Nuh-uh. Luck had absolutely nothing to do with that. Well, it was meant to be. Meant to be by who? It's the goodness of God. You know, I think we ought to get very specific and put the, and put the credit where the credit is due. Don't just chalk it up to, well, it was a coincidence. Well, it just happened. Well, I was lucky. Well, it was meant to be. You know, stop all that and just say, look at the hand of God in my life. Look at the goodness of God demonstrated in my life. Look at this. Give God the credit where credit is due. And take away you know, the, the, the image that some people have of him. You know, and, just, and begin to declare his goodness to other people. If you ever have an opportunity to tell somebody just how good God has been to you, you need to take it. Listen, God demonstrates his goodness in every area of our lives, every single area of our lives. You know, he has demonstrated himself to me in the areas of healings more times than one. He's demonstrated himself in the area of of provision more times than one. He's demonstrated himself in victory more times than one. He's demonstrated himself in the area of peace more times than one. And yet I tend to let go of the reality of the fact that once he's been good to me the first time in an area, he will never cease to be anything but good in that area ever again. You know, we have to, need to go back and, and just look at some of these things. Uh, because... You know, it, it pays us to go back and recall how good God's been to us. The children of Israel would go around, you know, at the sight of a, of a major victory or a major encounter with God or something great happened. They would build a memorial right there. And so that any time they came that way again, it reminded them of how good God had been. I'm not saying make, a, make some kind of a monument you know, but I'm also saying don't forget what God has done. Don't forget how he's shown himself strong in your behalf, how good he was at, at, at a particular point in your life where you just didn't think you had an answer, that you had anything you could rely on. You didn't have any help. You didn't have any direction. You didn't, you didn't know what to do. No, God was good. And he gave you the direction you need. He gave you the answer you needed. He gave you the victory you need. He gave you the provision you need. He gave you the healing that you needed. You need to go back and rehearse some of those things because there is a verse that says, Psalm 27, 13. You're close by. Psalm 27, 13. David's talking to, to God. 
And uh, he's talking about he's in the midst of his heartache, in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his uh, being chased by enemies, you know, how God would deliver him. And in verse 13, it says, I had fainted. Now, in the, in the New King James, it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen, there were people out to kill him. You know, and he was, he was talking about how some of these, these enemies were surrounding him. They were all about him. And yet he said, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes we lose heart in a situation. We get despairing of ever getting out of the situation. We get to a place where we just go, I, 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 I just don't know what to do. Hang our heads. It's not the time to hang your head. Have you seen the goodness of God? Have you experienced it? Well, then don't despair. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. The goodness of God is still there. It's still present. It's still available. It's still extended to you. It belongs to you. And just know that, that God's working, working it out. No matter what the problem, he's already got the answer. His goodness has already provided the answer. Before you knew you had a problem, his goodness had already provided the answer. His goodness had already paved the way for you to make a victorious trek through any situation. Didn't Psalmist David said, yea, though I walk through the valley? Didn't say walk and stay in the valley. I'm walking through the valley. I'm going to the other side of the valley. I'm not staying here. Yea, though I walk. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't care what you're walking through. You have to know, you think maybe you're, don't camp there for goodness sake. Don't take your cot, you know, and have a campfire. Don't, don't bring your, don't bring your beanie weenies, you know, and, and roast them over the coal. God never intended for you to stay in any kind of a valley. The only valley he wants you to stay in is those valleys that are peaceful places where it's cooling, refreshing, this was the valley of the shadow of death. But it was just a shadow. See, don't be scared of no shadow. It's just a shadow. There's nothing real about it. You know what? The, the little mouse, you ever seen the cartoons where, you know, Tom and Jerry, you know, big Tom and Jerry. Okay, suddenly there's this shadow of this huge mouse on the wall, and so Tom takes off, and it's just little old Jerry down here. See, listen, our problems are just little old Jerry down here. Even though he casts a big shadow, it's just little old Jerry. Don't take off. He's taking us somewhere. He's not taking us to some place of despair to leave us there. He's taking us through this thing because goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Not just a few, not just the first 20 years, not just the first 50 years, not just the first 70 years, but all the days of my life. All of them. 
Not, there's, not, there's not a one that's exempt from that. You're not having good days and bad days where God's goodness is concerned. Every day is a good day where God is concerned. Every day. Hallelujah. If Psalm 34.10 says, They that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalms 84.11 says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. James 1.7 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. There's no variation in his goodness. He's not just a little good. Yeah, he says, yes, you know, it's barely get by good. No, he's totally good, awesomely good, completely good, infinitely good, excessively good. He's the God who's more than enough. He's the one who does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. That's the kind of goodness he gives and heaps on us daily. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily, daily, daily loads us with benefits. Go to Psalm 103. You're, you're still in Psalm. Hallelujah. What kind of benefits are we talking about? His benefits are just demonstrations of his goodness. So starting in verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, all his demonstrations of goodness. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Ever been at a place where the, where the enemy was trying to, to destroy your life? I have more times than one. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The amplified version of that word satisfies. It says your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. That is a demonstration of his goodness. To satisfy your mouth with good things. Hallelujah. Whew. Psalm 107. Go over there. Hallelujah. He says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I tell you what, when you don't seem to have the goodness of God in sight, the way you can get it in sight is right here. Oh, that men would praise him. Oh, that men would praise him. Oh, that men would praise him. For his goodness. I tell you what, you stir yourself up by praising God. You, some people will never walk in the victory that God intends for them. Will never experience his goodness. Will never enjoy that satisfaction in their lives because they don't praise him. Instead of getting down the dumps, instead of 
moaning and groaning about the situation instead of getting in despair and depression and despondent and, and, and anxiety and fear over a situation, begin to lift your hands and praise him for his goodness. Oh, that men would praise him. Listen, there's so much he's done for us. It's such a shame that we don't, we don't praise him like we should. I mean, we should never have a down day. If you get up in the mornings and just say, God, I just look around here. I have a place to call home. I have a dry roof over my head. I have a bed to sleep in. I have a house that's warm. I have a house that's dry. I have shoes on my feet. You know, begin, those are all evidences of his goodness. I had, a, I had a chat with somebody one time about how I dislike packing. And they, they were somebody who travels a lot, and they said, you know, when I get to that place where it's just like, oh, I've got to go pack again, I just remind myself to thank God that I have so much abundance in my closet that it takes me a while to choose what to take with me. Listen, we need to just look around and just think. It's not just the big things in our lives that we should thank God for. It's the little things as well. Because so often we, we take for granted those little things. Do you know how many people don't have a roof over their head? You, you could be homeless. There's a lot of homeless people in this country. Do you know how many people don't have enough to eat? More than of us have had, most of us have more, had more than we should have to eat. You know, we've got an overabundant supply of that. You know, but, but we look around, we take things for granted. And we don't thank God for how he good is. I wake up, you know, you should wake up in the morning just going, thank you, Lord, I can breathe. Thank you, Lord, I can get myself out of bed. I don't have to have help. Thank you, Lord, I, I, have, I have food in my kitchen when I go in there. Thank you, Lord, there's clothes in my closet. Just look around you at all the good things God has given you. Some people won't ever have much in life because they're not appreciating what they've already got. And they don't take care of what they've already got. Because they don't count it as a blessing. When we were newlyweds, well, when we had this kind of furniture in your house called, we called early matrimony. You know, there, were, there was times when, uh, you know, I remember this one place we moved to, you know, we didn't have any furniture. I, don't, I think we had sold, we had, had bought a trailer at one time, and, and we had sold it. And so when we sold it, we, all the furniture, we let go with it. So we moved to this next place. We didn't have any furniture. And uh, I think we had a mattress and, um, I don't know, a couple of other things. We, we took that mattress, and we slept on the floor for like three months before we actually got a bed. And then his sister was getting rid of a, a threadbare couch. We gladly took it. To us, that was a blessing. You know, I took that blessing and put a cover on it, kept it neat, kept it straight. I was grateful for that. And God has brought us a long way since then. A long way. Some people never get to, the, to point B because they're never grateful for where they are at point A. You know, when you're grateful for the goodness that God has shown you in his life, for the way he's provided for you. Okay, you're not millionaire status. But you know what? I don't have to be millionaire status. 
I'm just grateful for where I'm at. I'm just grateful for where I've been. And I'm grateful for where I'm going. Because his goodness has kept me and sustained me in the past. It's keeping me and sustaining me in the present. It will keep me and sustain me in the future. And I'm just going from here to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And as long as I continually praise him for what he's done and is doing and how he's shown himself strong, how he's shown and demonstrated his goodness in my life, there will be an uptick constantly in what I have and what I am. Hallelujah. Um, 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in all truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he has done for you. When you're tempted to think, woe is me, consider how great things God has done for you. Has everything been rosy? No, but you know what? I always look at those times as at least a learning opportunity. And I can thank God that in his goodness, he has shown me some things I needed and could learn from him so that it doesn't happen again. So the devil doesn't take me unawares again. So I don't get myself in the same mess again. I learn from those things. And I thank God that in his, in his goodness, he shows me those things, things I need to change, things I need to, to, to uh, renovate in my life. So that his goodness can be exactly what he intends for it to be. We're our own worst enemies sometimes when it comes to, to, to putting ourselves in situations, you know, where God never intended us for us to be in that situation. We got ourselves in. But I'm telling you what, the goodness of God will always get you out. Always. Always. He, like I said before earlier, he is the one who's already got the answer, already got the plan. And you know what? He does all this for us based on his goodness, not ours. You don't have to worry about whether you're good enough, whether you deserve it, whether you deserve the bad things you got because you put yourself in that situation. Don't ever allow the enemy to bring those thoughts to your mind. Don't entertain them. He'll bring them, but don't entertain them because, see, it's not based on your goodness. It's based on his goodness. Even in the middle of a mistake. The prodigal son came back after making tremendous mistakes. And his father gladly wrapped him in his arms, put a ring on his finger, put the coat on, on his back, brought him in, killed the fatted calf, had a big party. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has everything to do with his goodness. Everything. You deserve it, not because of you, but because of him. And you know, in the middle of all that, what he's done for us is to put that same goodness on the inside of us. You know, Galatians says that the fruit of the Spirit, and it begins to list them, and one of them is goodness. Do you know God wants you to experience his goodness poured out in your life, but he wants you to experience the goodness the life, the goodness of the life that's on the inside of you as a born-again believer. He wants you just to, just to have an awareness of it, that that same goodness that comes from him resides on the inside of you so that you can share it 
You can demonstrate it. You can declare it to other people. You know, the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. And if we're going to be like him, we're going to be the same way. We're going to go about doing good everywhere we go. In every situation, in every opportunity, we have an opportunity to demonstrate his goodness. Sometimes we're in a setting like this where it's just other believers who know what you know. And we can rejoice in the goodness that we see evident in each other's lives. And there are places we go that nobody's ever heard that God's a good God. You need to tell them about it. Demonstrate it to them. Whether they're believers or they're not believers, you need to be able to demonstrate those things to them at all times. So we'll just conclude by saying this. Be aware of his goodness. Be thankful for his goodness. Never take his goodness for granted. Share his goodness. Be an agent of his goodness. And do what Psalm 103 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. God is good. The psalmist David said it over and over again. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. See, his mercy is an outcropping of his goodness. His loving kindness is an outcropping of his goodness. His gentleness is an outcropping of his goodness. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He's kind because of his goodness. Because of his goodness. For the Lord, he is good. And his mercy endures forever. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.